Please join me in prayer. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for the gift of of Christmas, the gift of your presence with us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would would light up our, our minds and our hearts this morning as we continue to consider your word made flesh among us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, again, Merry Christmas, and to all a good morning. What a joy to be able to gather on the 26th to continue our celebration of the Incarnation. It's nice to have made it through all the carols and candles and stocking stuffings and all the family celebrations on Christmas Day, but then the second day of Christmas. Now that Santa Claus is behind us, we can get down to business. Amen? So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the practical aspects of incarnation, where the rubber hits the road in this whole God-came-to-earth business. Our Advent theme was preparing for welcome, and now that Jesus is here, it's time to welcome him. But what does that really look like? If the answer to this question isn't immediately obvious, I think we would be in good company. Because in the introduction to John's gospel, which Julie just read, John points out that the light of the world came to his own people, and yet they didn't recognize him. If it were an obvious or an easy thing to welcome Jesus, then surely they would have done it. But it wasn't, and not everyone understood what was going on. In fact, most people miss the point of the incarnation, and I think they still do. These days, it's too easy to be distracted by the stars and the angels and the mysterious wise men. A lot of folks show up once a year for the pageantry, and they may think that that's all there is to it. That God threw a party for his newborn child, and we all got to join in. Hooray! What fun! But of course, those who read on discover that the baby in the manger was only the beginning John's gospel claims that those who did welcome him and believed in his name, that Jesus authorized them to become fellow children of God. So the intent was not for Jesus to be a only celebrated child, but the firstborn among a large adoptive family. Christ came to earth so that we would become like him as children of God. And it all begins with providing welcome. So again, what does welcoming Christ really look like? Well, in spite of the the grand mystery of the incarnation, I don't think Jesus intended the work of hospitality to be particularly mysterious. He showed up as a newborn, perhaps as an illustration of this simple process. Since for the most part, we already know what to do to provide welcome for infants. It's all about the basics, right? you you got to feed them, clothe them, keep them warm, relatively clean, hold them close, make them feel loved. Later on, that's what Jesus said we should do for adults, too. Feed them, clothe them, provide them with warmth and the ability to get clean. Hold people close. Make them feel loved. 
Whatever you do for, for these, the least of God's children, you do for me, said Jesus. That's how we welcome him. And of course, that too is, the, is, is only the beginning. Peter Scazzaro, in, in his popular book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, he writes that the key to discipleship in general is learning how to actually incarnate the way that Jesus did which is kind of a provocative way of putting it. Some, uh, some theologians might scoff at the idea that we could imitate the incarnation in any way. Some people believe that there was only one incarnation, God coming to earth as Jesus. But I think Scazzaro is onto something here. The idea that Jesus showed us the way to practice a form of incarnation ourselves. The way he, he talks about it is with the old saying, you don't really know a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, it appears that God took that literally. To incarnate means to become flesh. So God came down to take on our fleshy nature in order to walk a mile in our shoes. To find out what it's actually like to be us. And Jesus said that we should then go and do the same for others. As in, see if we can take on their fleshy experience. We are to treat their wants, their needs, their hopes as if they are our own. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, said Jesus. As if you know what it's like to be that person. This is also what welcome is all about. Some people call it a form of empathy. And this too, of course, is already what we naturally try to do with infants. A baby cries out in the middle of the night. We're moved to soothe him or her. We try to imagine what that child could possibly want or need. What would I be wanting if I were him or her? Is the blanket uncomfortable? Is the diaper wet? Maybe she just dropped the pacifier again. If you've ever tried to care for a baby, then uh, I'm sure you know how frustrating this can be. If only that child could talk. The high-pitched screaming doesn't seem to help. But then imagine, what would we do if we couldn't communicate in any other way? It's a tricky thing to try to listen to a baby. And yet we do our best because the child is so tiny and helpless and hopefully cute. We try to listen. We try to welcome that child into the world with as much empathy as we can possibly muster. And again, this is what God would have us do with the adults in our lives too. Incarnational ministry means attempting to put ourselves in the shoes of others and trying to understand them as best we can, even when they don't communicate very well. We're to listen without judgment, without condemnation. After all, Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. And doing so requires entering into the experience of others as an act of love. So praise God that adults, unlike infants, can 
usually try to tell us what they are thinking and feeling. This means that listening to them is the first and primary part of this incarnational process. We listen to understand, to empathize, to provide welcome. We listen to others as God listens to us without judgment or condemnation. And when the listening goes well, it is experienced as love. As one theologian put it, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. We know that God is love. So God came to earth to listen to us, to empathize with us out of love. And when we listen to others, we participate in this incarnation. We become more like Jesus, more like God. Here's an example. I read about a a group recently called Urban Confessional, where some people value the gift of listening so highly that they they stand on street corners with cardboard signs that read free listening. Then they, they just listen to whoever stops and starts talking to them. As you can imagine, those listeners, they, they report a lot of mixed reactions to their form of service. Most people assume that they have ulterior motives, that these volunteers want something from them in return for their listening. But the listeners assure everyone that it it really is free. And then sometimes panhandlers will come asking for money, but the free listeners are instructed to explain that, that they have a different role to play than just giving money. They respond, this is my contribution. This is my gift. And what a gift it is. Or rather, what a discipline, really. You see, most people tend to assume that they're, they're good listeners already, or at least competent at it, until they're taught what good listening entails and they actually try to do it. Even those who've read books about listening or have gone through extensive training, those who teach others about listening, they still struggle to listen to other people themselves. Because learning to be present to truly enter into another person's world the way that Jesus did, it's really hard. And it's rare. Most of the time we listen not to try and understand or empathize, but in order to figure out how to make a point or how to change someone else's mind. And when we do that, we're not really allowing ourselves to feel what that other person is feeling we're likely only to hear a part of what that other person is trying to say because our minds are so busy contradicting or correcting or rebutting. But the good news is that listening is something that can be improved with practice. It's not a gift that we either have or we don't. Jesus took on flesh to show us the way. And He's given us His Spirit so that we too can learn how to humble ourselves and enter fully into the experience of others. Now this, this doesn't automatically mean that we'll, we'll become like the people that we listen to. We won't necessarily agree with them. 
Jesus entered into our experience and came to understand our every sin, but He didn't sin Himself. Jesus empathized with sinners, but maintained His integrity as the Son of God. He was in the world, but not of the world, as they say. So we too, in following Him, can learn how to listen deeply for understanding, for empathy, but not necessarily for agreement. Here's a simple exercise that's been proven to improve this skill. It's called reflective listening. Most people have heard of this, but again, few people do it. It's easier to describe than it is to practice. The idea is very basic. Two people agree to listen to each other. One person has the floor, speaking a few sentences at a time. You don't go on and on. Then the listener repeats back to that person exactly what has just been said. The person listening attempts to enter into the world of the speaker, laying aside questions, comments, agendas, defenses, simply seeking to understand the other person's experience. It helps if the listener checks in once in a while to see if he or she has gotten it right, since oftentimes a word or a phrase is still missed. The speaker hasn't been completely heard, so they have to try again. That's part of listening, too. We're all so easily distracted. And it's also common for the listener to add things that the other person did not say, which can be a sign that the listener was imposing his or her own point of view. But when, when this exercise goes well, and when we learn to do it regularly, the results can be surprising. At first, it may feel too rigid, like the listener is just a robot or a parrot just repeating things back without comment. But still, the speaker tends to feel heard, and the listener gains a deeper understanding. Maybe in the end they still disagree. And yet they feel closer to one another because of the experience. There's more res respect between them, less hostility. And the two are more comfortable with each other in spite of their differences. This is the power of listening. It has the power to reconcile, to unify, to build goodwill and peace and community among God's children. It's the very reason God came to earth and took on flesh and walked among us so that we too would come to love one another as God in Christ Jesus has loved us. I'm not going to keep going on and on about this this morning because today is about practicing incarnation, not just talking about it. And if we want to get better at listening, then we have to practice. So I'm going to invite you to give it a shot. I invite you to find a partner and take turns reflective listening for just a few minutes. And so as to reinforce the point, I invite you to talk about listening itself. You can just repeat things that I've already said this morning. Or you can talk about a time 
maybe when you felt particularly heard, what that was like for you. Maybe you want to share your own best practices or your points of disagreement. What does good listening look like for you? Just remember, for this exercise, it's not meant to be a casual conversation, not back and forth. It's a structured listening session where where you intentionally reflect back to the person who's speaking exactly what is said. Don't go on and on. Don't insert comments. Just have one person speak, and afterwards the other person reflects back what was spoken. Then you can flip it just once. No interrupting, no correcting, no commenting on what the other person says. Just listening. Can we do that? You're like, meh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's give it a shot. Please take a minute each, and I'll call you back with prayer. Go. Go.